Welcome into another edition of the Main Streets Podcast. William Galloway joined through call with Britton Johnson, bringing you this week's episode of the Main Streets Podcast. BJ, Alabama won the IBOB. It was a big week for the Crimson Tide, going 2-0, and picking up a win over Auburn in Coleman Coliseum, followed by another Saturday night sellout crowd in Tuscaloosa, taking down LSU 79 to 75 over Auburn, uh, a backdoor cover for the Crimson Tide, and then 109 to 88 over LSU. It was a great week. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. As as a, a fan and supporter of Alabama, uh, this week was much needed. Uh, you know, it, it feels like we've constantly, you know, just been hit with barrage after barrage of negative news um, over the last few weeks. So to have this week, have a 2 0 week. Uh, you know, you and I were together on Wednesday. Uh, that's one of the better days you'll ever have as an Alabama fan between, uh, and we'll get to it later, the Ryan Williams news and uh, winning the IBOB. And it was just a great night. Hey, before we get too far into today's episode, we'll talk about Ryan Williams. We'll talk about the win over Auburn, LSU, Samford split games this week, Ryan Williams committing. Uh, that is arguably the biggest news of Alabama, that and Auburn on the same day. But I want to uh, just remind everybody and let you know about an amazing realtor here in Birmingham, Mary Ansley Smalley with Ray and Pointer Properties. Whether you're stepping into home ownership for the first time, upgrading to a larger space, or navigating the sale of your current home, Mary Ansley is your go-to guide for a seamless and stress-free real estate journey. A native of the mean streets herself, Mary Ansley has a deep knowledge of the Birmingham's hottest and most desired neighborhoods and is committed to turning your real estate state goals into a reality. Ready for your next move? Call or text Mary Ansley Smalley today at 205-276-6438. That's 205-276-6438. Wednesday evening, the Iron Bowl of basketball, as we like to affectionately call it. Britain, we had the chance to ride down together. Horrible weather, but the lights actually saved us. Um, everybody that watched the Iron Bowl of basketball on Wednesday night, Started the game started, and you had Melrose on TV doing free advertising for the football program and Coach DeBoer, which is never a bad thing. But we were stuck watching that in the car, and the light issue, which everybody remembers, if you were watching, caused I would say probably a fifteen minute delay. But that allowed us to get off of uh, the interstate exit seventy three, get on McFarland, get parked, and then get in the Coliseum by the time play resumed. So that really worked out well. Um, and as Coach Oates said, Auburn shot the ball the best with the lights off, and then out the lights came on, and, and Alabama was ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things that I, I – it was one of those days that where God's, God just really smiled on us, and it came down to us walking in 15 minutes late and not having, you know, a second of action. Uh, so that's pretty rare for that to happen, obviously. I don't know uh, if Alabama uh, – the basketball program just did us a favor, you know, cut out the lights for a little bit, let us get up, you know, in the building so we could watch it. But uh, awesome, awesome win. Obviously, um, Auburn, very good team. Whether or not we like to really talk about it, I know they had a tough week and lost another one. But uh, to win that one, I think, is is one of those games that, you know, if you want to win the league, and this is a broader thing, but if you want to win the league, you win your home games and you win the road games you're supposed to win, and that will put you in a position. Um, you know, it, very, very rarely does a team go 18 and 0, 17 and 1. Uh, but if you are a, a good team and you win your home games and you win the road games you're supposed to win, you'll be in a good spot at the end of it. And so far, Alabama's done a great job of that. And obviously, we'll get a little bit more in detail with the 
with the game. Obviously, you know, we can talk about Ryland, we can talk about Sears, we can talk about Wrightsell, who's been awesome. Um, but it, it was just a huge win and a great night for the University of Alabama. So to unpack your tweet a little bit more, you had a, a tweet, we're recording this on Sunday, Saturday after LSU's game, talking about over the past, I believe it's four years that Oates has been here. You talk, just kind of explain, tell us what your tweet was, because um, it really goes into the details, and it's a mind-boggling stat when you look at Alabama's first couple games in conference play under the Nate Oates era. Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, and I'd been thinking about it after that game, um, but over the last four years through seven SEC games, Alabama has a combined 24 and four in league play. And to make it you know even better than that, three of those losses came in one season. So at six and one this year, which is fantastic, we're top of the league right now. Uh, that is the third best start in the last four years for Alabama in SEC play. Just kind of mind boggling stuff. Uh, and it just shows how Oates has really uh, made Alabama the class of the SEC and um, the top or one of the top programs in the entire league, which, you know, in basketball, if, if you've been around, you know, the University of Alabama athletics, if you've been around SEC basketball for a while, you, you may know that historically they've been great, but but man, it's been a while since you've heard anything like that. So it's, it's just super exciting um, to see and to see that it's kind of being maintained and it's not just, you know, flashes here or there. Maintaining that success is huge because you look at teams and programs like Arkansas. I know we like to rag on Arkansas, but um, they have wear and tear throughout the year. They've kind of hit they hit their stride kind of later in the season, um, but they don't have that same buy in that Musselman hasn't been able to do the same things that Oates has been able to do. Um, and Musselman may be more flashy. He may be more. Uh, vocal, but the winning takes care of itself. And Oates has done the winning and is going to continue to do the winning. Uh, and Alabama needs to give him everything that he wants and needs in order to keep him around um, and to keep making this basketball program in the changing era of college athletics um, keep its tradition of winning ways. You know, I, a lot of Alabama basketball, Alabama fans who are mainly football fans forget that Alabama has the second winningest tradition in the conference uh, in basketball. And so, you know, Oates has a, has a, I say duty and obligation, but he's upholding that and he's create he has relifted Alabama to its past winning standard. Um, and Alabama needs to be able to support him, whether that's an arena, whether that is helping with recruiting. Uh, there's a lot of good, functions in place. We know Greg Byrne is actively recruiting for a new arena. Uh, but Britain being there Wednesday night, you don't need a new arena. When you have 15,000 people there, you know, screaming and the decibel level of the place was unbelievable. It was a great environment on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, I know we rag on Coleman a lot, but we also, I, I feel like have been fair in saying that when it's packed, when everyone's really into it, it is up there with any other SEC venue in terms of atmosphere. And uh, you're never going to get better than, you know, the Iron Bowl of basketball just because, you know, Auburn fans do show out well. They do. Uh, it's probably because they only have like 2,000 seats in their home arena, so they got to really, you know, budget up to get to that one. So maybe it's slightly cheaper to, to actually go to a real basketball arena. Um, but it's one of those things that it, because they kind of filled both corners like kind of opposite corners of the arena and and they made their presence known um it was like as much of you know as you build up hate for auburn as a rival just as a team and as much animosity kind of as you have already like it made it that much more contentious in the arena i don't know if you felt that i thought there was a lot of hate 
in the arena. And I love that. I well, love fans that would part of college athletics. And then the Alabama student section would immediately get to its feet and be twice as loud. Um, and and uh, we're not sitting here advocating for a new arena. That'll come in time, whether it comes in five years, whether it comes in 10 years. That feels like it's more than likely the plan. But as uh, as Grant Nelson said, it was one of the best environments you know he's ever played in. Wednesday night, and then there was another sellout versus LSU. Hey, so let's get into the game. Uh, I'm going to mention Rylan Griffin first. Not starting against Auburn, coming in, scoring 17, hitting his first four threes, ending up five of ten from the three point line uh, in just th- in just I say in 31 minutes. He was phenomenal. Provided the spark that Alabama needed because early on in that game, Alabama struggled offensively. Auburn seemed to get whatever they want in the flex with some mid-court jumpers. Janai Broom had a great game. So what did you see that allowed Alabama to have success against Auburn? You know, it, it, we'll kind of continue this theme with the LSU game, but the defense is is really improving. And, and it's it's noticeable because um, I think that this Alabama offense is as explosive as any team in the country. And they can score with anybody in the country. But we also have droughts. And you saw that on you know against Auburn. Um, we'd have these three or four-minute stretches where we would kind of do a bunch of dumb stuff offensively. Like we just turn it over and it's just going to happen. Um, you know, obviously we're hoping to cut down on that stuff, but and I think we did against LSU, but that kind of stuff just kind of happens throughout the flow of a game. But what you saw, especially there was a stretch at probably like the under eight of the second half where like for three minutes, it felt like nobody scored and it was just like turnover after turnover. But it's because we were able to respond to our mistakes by at least creating them on the other end for the other team. And, um, getting stops when we needed them and, and timely stops win you games. And so that's where we got to just improve a lot. And then that's, you know, you're talking about Ryland offensively. I think what I've loved seeing out of Ryland and out of right cell specifically, and, and really out of all the guys, but those two guys specifically is they have been fantastic defensively and, and being there at the game kind of allowed me to see more of it. Um, just because there'd be some stuff that you don't necessarily catch as much watching the game on TV. Obviously their on ball is great, but, there were some backside stunts. There was some, you know, off-ball defensive plays that they made that maybe didn't directly contribute to a turnover. Maybe they didn't, you know, directly deflect a pass off of it. But it would be the reason that they got to stop on the play. And so that's the kind of small details that great defensive teams do regularly. That's what I feel like we're getting better at. And that's why those guys really, I feel like, have been anchors to this team the last few games uh, and why we're winning games in the process. Obviously, you know, we can talk about Mark Sears all day. Uh, it felt like he had a, a quiet 22 that turned loud at the end. You know, it, for a while, it didn't feel like he was necessarily doing a ton. The last 10 minutes, he really turned it on. And, um, and if you watch college basketball long enough, you know, it's, it's just really good to have a guy that you can get the ball to at the end of a game and say, here you go. It's your team. It's your game. Uh, and we have that in Sears. He's he's as dynamic and good um, as any guard really probably in the country this year. And some of the ways he is able to move through space, like it's, it's, it's kind of even hard to use words to describe. Cause it's like, it's almost herky jerky awkward, but it's, it's awkward enough to throw the defender off. So because he's not the, you know, not the tallest guy in the world, not the most athletic guy in the world. He's not JD Davis and going to just dunk on you. His ability to use momentum, to use leverage, to use, you know, the step through small spaces. There was a step through, and we'll, we'll talk about LSU in a minute. There was a step through he had against LSU that I was unreal. I don't know how he, there, he got through three defenders. Like, I don't know how he did it. 
Um, but it'd be some stuff where like when he the timing of when he throws up a shot is not when the defender expects. So he'd have Dylan Cardwell on him, uh, who'd be pursuing the play, getting ready to block the shot, and he'd just kind of like sneak the shot up there and and make a layup. He is he is so good. He is I mean, I coming into this year I knew he'd take a step. Um frankly, I didn't know if he'd be the guy though. And and that's not to downplay my expectations of him. I I thought other guys might kind of be right there with him. He is the guy, and he is good enough to uh, win us any game at the end of a game. And, and you know, speaking of another guy that we kind of had really high expectations for coming in, I thought I thought Grant stepped up a lot. And it's been clear, you know, he hadn't been the most confident dude in the world shooting the ball recently. And uh, I love I love that Oates is telling him to keep shooting. And I know, you know, some Alabama fans are probably going to listen to this and, and think the opposite. But I'm just telling you, it, it will pay dividends in March. Um, you, you break out of these confidence uh, droughts and um, it, it happens. Like I've definitely gone through my own ebbs and flows with that. And the solution is just to keep shooting and, and to have a coach that really believes in you. Uh, but just huge, huge plays down the stretch. Um, the free throws obviously were huge. The putback dunks were huge. I mean, that reverse was disgusting. Uh, it doesn't then, get enough praise. I mean, it was thunderous, and I got to give a shout out to JD, who I went to the game with, and he was saying we always have some type of signature dunk, signature poster versus Auburn, whether it's in Auburn or in Tuscaloosa. You think about Herb Jones in the past, and that he went down the lane and absolutely jammed one in Auburn. Um, it and he missed some some bunnies, and not that they were easy. But they were close yeah. lay-ins. He probably could have had a twenty-piece had he finished two or three more at the rim. For sure. It, but again, the thing I'm proud of him for—he's not—he's obviously big, tall, like he's tall, but he's not the biggest dude in the world. He's pretty, pretty thin guy. And we put him on Janai Broom for a good portion of that game. And obviously, Janai had a great game. But he—you see it when he's been guarding these bigger guys the last few games. He's really has offered resistance, and he's been fighting. You know, he'll fight the guys in the post, um, and that's all you can ask a guy to do. He's gonna he's gonna be the smaller guy in a lot of these matchups. I think that plays to our advantage a lot on the offensive end. So there's definitely a trade off there. But um, you know, I think that he has shown some toughness the last few games that uh, has been huge. So uh, proud of him. I mean, I could keep going through all these guys. I think Diabate has given fantastic minutes the last few games and just as a great effort guy. But you you can see how the guys are playing for each other right now. And I think that's as big of a reason for success. I know they, um, they, you know, just kind of picked up on the softball phrase of Mudita and have really kind of started to feed into that. I know Patrick Murphy kind of came and spoke to him, which was, um, it seems like they've really kind of fed off of that though. And uh, that's, that's been really cool to see. So from here on out, it's just, can they continue to build on it? Can they continue to, uh, take care of the games they're supposed to win and maybe pull up a couple games they quote-unquote aren't. Yeah, Reitzel was four of six from three uh, against Auburn. He was five of ten from three against LSU. He had a team second high, 19. Estrada had 18. Of course, Sears had 21. Didn't even make a three, but he was perfect from the charity stripe in his 11 attempts. Tell me a little bit about that LSU game, what Alabama was able to do so well. Uh, obviously, LSU is – is a quality team. They're not what they were three or four years ago. New, new coach, new leadership, new, new system, so to speak. Uh, but how was Alabama able to really pull ahead in the second half and have two 
really high powered halves offensively against the Tigers. You know, I, I enjoyed seeing that game because it showed us some areas where we've grown and some areas where we still have to grow because the, the defense hasn't arrived yet, but it, it's certainly improving. Um, it, it's always fun when a team tries to come, especially when they try to come into Coleman and and score with us. And that's like their strategy is like, let's just like see if we can score with these guys because you're not you're not going to win that battle. I'd be really surprised if you do, um, you know, and eventually we'll go on a run that kind of puts the dagger in you. I think it more or less came in the latter part of the first half, and then we kind of put them away again in the second half. But uh, I think that's the, the biggest takeaway is as a team, uh, on the right night, this team can beat anybody in the country. They can score with anybody in the country. You also see that we got to keep improving on defense. Um, but, but you know, just looking at it from an overhead view, this is the type of game that is a typical letdown game. I mean, if you have been an Alabama fan for long enough, you would know anytime uh, tied hoops would come away with a big win against like Kentucky or someone that uh, maybe they weren't expected to win to be, or just was a big win. There would always be a letdown. That was kind of the, the pain of being a tied hoops fan is there's never consistency there. Um, and that's where this team has been awesome is they take care of the games they're supposed to take care of. Great teams win that type of game going away with it. And that's exactly what happened. You know, uh, we got to see some walk-on minutes. Shout out to Max Ronowski. Absolutely filthy reverse layup. I mean, put it on the highlight reel. Unreal stuff. This team's winning the games they're supposed to win. They're 6-1 and one in league play. Uh, and if they continue to do that, uh, they'll be right there. They'll be right there again, which is which is crazy. I don't know, you know, especially after that Tennessee game, if, if people would have thought that. And obviously, there's so much ball left to be played, but they just got to keep winning the games they're supposed to win, and, and that's what good teams do, and that's what they're doing right now. So that's that's pretty big time. And the schedule doesn't really let up. You go to Georgia on Wednesday. You host a big Mississippi State team, uh, who you saw, you know, just a couple weeks ago on Saturday night. I'm excited to be in Tuscaloosa and watch Mississippi State. Um, and then, of course, you go to Auburn. So, you know, it doesn't slow down whatsoever for Alabama. That is the gauntlet of conference play. And the champions are made down the stretch, winning those games, getting some on the road, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, looking forward to a great week of Tide Hoops. Any final thoughts before we uh, begin to turn the page as we take a brief look at Sanford and then have some Ryan Williams discussion? Yeah, I mean, I just shout out to the fans for, for showing up and showing out. You know, this last week or two, uh, particularly, uh, it, it makes all the difference in the world to the guys in the locker room. I know because I've been there. And uh, I, I think it's so huge in building the type of program we want to be. If we want to be a, a year in, year out national program, we can't we can't just show up here and there. And so that was it was great to see just a week of the fans really being there. Um, you know, I think we joked about this two years ago about how Alabama fans are learning to be basketball fans. But they're, they're in the latter forms of it now. They know when to get loud for a big run. They know when to get into it. Uh, they're ebbs and flows all these games. Basketball is such a game of momentum. But the fans have really showed up and showed out. And if they continue to do so, it's going to be really tough for a team to go into Coleman and, and win a game. Collier uh, Wilson so knows how to get after a fan, too. That's that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, you love – I feel like every year when we play Auburn, uh, there's at least some encounter fan – player fan coach fan whatever encounter uh between them and so it's it's always fun to kind of get after them a little bit I, the rivalry means a ton to me 
Uh, and so it's, it's just so I'm so glad we were able to take care of business in that one. Well, there will be a chapter two and uh, that we will have that for you discussion, kind of a preview next week on this podcast and then be able to wrap uh, that Auburn series up in two weeks after we play at Auburn. Um, I believe that's February the 7th. Samford split games this week. The 17-game win streak got snapped at Furman. The Bulldogs <laughs> lost by 10 in Greenville and then bounced back with a win in Johnson City over East Tennessee State, 75-72. to 72. So the Bulldogs currently sit at 18-3 and three overall, 7-1 and one in conference play. And up next, they have a split home and away game. They go um, – they will host Wofford on Wednesday night at 6.30, and then they will travel to Chattanooga, who put them out of the conference tournament last year. Um, and that will be Saturday at 3.30 Central in Chattanooga. I know we didn't get to watch Furman, Samford, uh, but losing a 17-game win streak. You know, back when we were in high school, Britain, your junior year, Mountain Brook won 17 games in a row. So I was telling somebody 17 is the um uh, it's the win streak maximum for Bucky McMillan because <laughs> your junior year that was as far as he got in terms of uh winning games. Maybe you won more the the following year, but um but what a run. And uh Sanford continues to climb through SOCON play and it's uh it's not gonna get any any easier. Obviously they're at the top of the league, um, but you gotta you got to have the ball bounce your way a couple times with, you know, with the Furmans and the Western Carolinas maybe dropping one here and there, and then you got to take care of business. So uh, still a long road ahead to try and win the conference regular season for the Bulldogs. Yeah, and I mean, I think the the key, is, like Furman's always going to be a tough game. They're a great team. You know, they've really built something there, and it's always tough to go win there. Um, and, you know, as, as much as that loss stings, it probably was not – this probably was a good reset a little bit. Um, not to say that like we played down to like whatever, but it's just, you know, you almost start to build pressure of like, we have the longest winning streak in the country. Um, so their ability to, you know, can kind of continue to play loose throughout that's been really impressive. But I think the crazy thing is they've been without Jermaine Marshall, this, you know, not this entire stretch, but for a large portion of the stretch. And when he gets back, I think this team will, uh, its ceiling is so much higher. Like I, I just can't wait to see how how he gets back and how the team kind of grows and he just improves from now until the end of the year. Um, but she's probably you know not gonna come back next game, but not not too far away. And so I I think that that's gonna be when the team is is so dangerous. Like right now they have been grinding to get these wins, and I think that's phenomenal because it not only um, I think it just builds experience for these later season games especially when you're at full strength and you're able to kind of push and, and pull away in these games you kind of develop a killer mentality a little bit more through a lot of these tight ones early and so um i i'm just excited to see how this team finishes obviously like you said they got a big week coming up the socon is a little bit like the sec is this year and that it feels like every game's really competitive and every team's really good and then there aren't really many buy games that you can just kind of chill on like Every team in the SoCon, every game is going to be competitive. And if you have a down game, it doesn't matter if you're playing the worst team in the league, you're probably going to lose. So um, it's definitely a tough league. And I think that Sanford's in a really good spot right now. So that's super exciting. Uh, get to start a new streak now. So hopefully they can keep it rolling for a while. 
Anytime Sanford beats East Tennessee State, it reminds me of that reporter from the Johnson City area who said and doubled and tripled and quadrupled down that hiring a high school coach uh, was a horrible idea. And Bucky has gone and since won a share of the conference title. He has been coach of the year, I think, twice in the league. Uh, and that guy, whenever he sees something about Bucky McMillan, continues <laughs> to hammer down on him. Uh, and Bucky as is five and zero in the last you know games against East Tennessee State, so that always makes me laugh. Shout out to Bucky for that. And uh, you know some people are just going to stick to their guns and um, I almost respect you know, it. You know, die on the wrong hill. So I almost respect that level of stubbornness and and pride of just like nope, I'm still right. It'd be like, could you imagine different scope, different level? I mean, same thing you can say about Oates. Like someone be like Oates was a bad hire, or like. Someone was just like, I don't think the saving guy is going to work out. And then it's like year two, you're like, ah, you know, I'm going to stick with my guns here. Like, what a miserable experience that would be. So I, you know, I almost respect him sticking with his guns when he's just so blatantly wrong. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyways, um, you know, the losers will show themselves on the internet. And that is a, a tale that remains true year <laughs> after year, time after time. All right. We get a commit from Ryan Williams. He and Jalen and Bakwe were in the student section last night uh, against LSU wearing a hard hat. Nonetheless, um, I don't know if there is an Alabama football recruit who has been a bigger gump, let's call them, Alabama fan, than Ryan Williams. That guy loves the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I love his passion for the Tide, and I love what he's going to bring to Alabama, not only skill set-wise, but he's going to bring so much spirit to the university, and I hope he doesn't fall victim to the NIL and recruiting uh, and tampering that goes on in college football because he could be an Alabama legend. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think if you were to say there was a bigger gump, it, it'd probably be – uh, Jalen Mbakwe, who who is the self-proclaimed uh, killer of the Freeze Five, you know he he put the Freeze Five to rest. Um, I I don't want to over you know overemphasize you know this this commitment. I I do think there are parallels to the Julio one though, and you know I think a lot of people would respond with, well, he was committed under saving, like obviously had a huge head start, but. Um, for DeBoer to go out and get this guy who I think anyone who's watched Ryan Williams play any high any while he's been in high school will recognize. I, I think he's one of the most special high school players I've ever seen, like ever. So uh, I could not be more excited that he will be wearing crimson in the fall. Um, and like you said, I, I think he has the chance to really cement an all-time legacy if he sticks it out. So uh, he's got a chance to start year one. I think that he is going to be a stud. And at, I almost – feel bad putting that much pressure on a 16 year old but like i just think he is that guy so i i'm really excited to get him well he's here now but uh i think full time get him down here in, in may um uh, and, and get things get things rolling and that's one thing we do have to remember he is 16 17 years old he's supposed to be a junior he is a junior in high school like it will take time but he is also when he puts the the pads on and the helmet and the cleats on he is a better talent than I've seen in any high school football and, and coaches around Alabama who've, who it's their job to coach and watch film and develop student athletes across the state would tell you he is generational talent. Um, he can do it all. And the one time we got to watch him, I got to watch him in person. He absolutely cooked Mountain Brook 
in the state championship game. And but I walked away from that. It was in Auburn. And I thought, I can't wait to see this guy in Crimson <laughs> because I don't like him now. I don't like that we didn't win the game, but he is going to be special. And when he's wearing my team's colors, it's going to be awesome. So looking right. forward to that. And again, he's going to learn, he's going to grow, he's going to develop. Um, but like you said, DeBoer being able to get him, you know, bring him back, so to speak. And I don't really know if he was ever too far gone. I don't blame him for weighing his options. Um, that's that's the right thing to do, you know, when there's a coaching change. So no no faulting him there, uh, but a big get for DeBoer and his staff, who I think we mentioned last week, the staff is assembled. And then he said he's there's a couple that haven't been announced that they're excited to bring on um, – so football is 29 Saturdays away, but March is only just over a month away. And that's what we're here to talk about on the Main Streets podcast. William Galloway, Britton, you've got the final word to take us home this week. We appreciate all of our listeners. We appreciate the Smallies for the Iron Bowl tickets. And um, Britton, take us home. You know, you're talking about that, that state championship game. And I, I watched it and I called my dad at halftime. I said, Dad, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The bad news is Mountain Brook is not winning this game. Like, there's just no world. But the good news is that dude's already committed to Alabama, and he's a sophomore. So, uh, been a special kid for a long time. Excited for him to get down to Tuscaloosa and do some special things. Roll Tide.